Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. I want to talk a little bit more about relational intelligence and that we've had incredible feedback, even uh, even even up to today, various conversations that have taken place. And how many have found that relationships are even harder to navigate today? Mm-hmm. When you're isolated, when you're locked down, when you can't get away from the people that you love, right? um, pressures and stress. Uh, amen. Somebody said, begin to uh, begin to 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 mount and. Remember somebody said absence makes the heart grow fonder? Yeah. Well, the opposite must be true too, right? And so um, anyway, we want to cover some of the key areas that we we talked about. And uh, as I mentioned, I have uh, Ranjeev here is one of our elders, uh, works for a nonprofit organization here in the city. He's a, uh, a director and has uh, incredible experience and uh, leading teams and has to navigate some stressful scenarios. I think everybody knows Pastor Moses and uh, what a blessing Pastor Moses is to the family of God. And, and Candice uh, also, uh, come on, woo, yeah, one of our, one of our, uh, one of our elders here and uh, operations manager. And so many gifts and many talents that God has, has put on, on stage today. And so we're going to have a discussion because we want to speak about, obviously, the Word of God. But how many understand that we serve a relational God? Okay? I mean, when you look at the Trinity, and you look at the stories of the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis, guys, right? The very first crucial conversation was God said to Adam, you see that tree? Don't touch it, right? And uh, you know how that crucial conversation went, uh, and how that whole relational episode fell apart. I want to read to you from the words of uh, Peter. And and Peter had some growing to do, didn't he, in his relational intelligence. But in 1 Peter 2.17, from the ESV, it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood and the sisterhood, right? Fear God, honor the emperor. And so, you know, guys, I want to start off today by by really talking about this concept of relational intelligence in the Bible. And it goes right through the Bible. Uh, I love Bishop Tony Miller, you know, and when he was alive, he would always say that the kingdom is administered relationally. That really the relation, you know, the, the kingdom is about relationship with God and then relationship with one another. And then, of course, anyone that uh, we, we come into contact with on a, on a, daily, on a daily basis. So here's, my, here's, my, here's where we're going to launch. If we serve a relational God, and Jesus was incredibly uh, relational, of course, he was the best at it, had amazing intelligence when it came to, to this subject, why do God's people suffer in this area? Why, why are God's people so poor at relational intelligence, we have the church splits and the we have the fighting and the arguing and offense. And why is it that God's people are so poor at relational intelligence if we serve such an amazing God? Who's going to launch us? 
I'll, I'll just talk about that a little bit. You know, um, as Christians, sometimes we, we, well, we haven't been Christians all our lives, right? So we've been walking in the world and we have a way of doing things, you know. But as Pastor has pointed out um, in Ephesians chapter 4, um, you know, Paul says, like, now that you've come into this, you, you're not so called. You're called to do something different now. You're called to be something different. And we come into the Christian walk with all our backgrounds and our cultural beliefs and, and, you know, everything else that has shaped and formed the way that we think. And now when we come to, to be a Christian, we're supposed to lay that down. We're supposed to be living in Christ. We're supposed to be changing the way that we think and all of that, right? So now as Christians, we come in expecting the church to just be different from everybody else but honestly church we're made up of human beings and we're all in process going through that whole change and transformation and we're not always going to be a hundred percent on every single time right so there has to be a lot of grace in the church but I think that even Christians don't understand the part that they have to play that we're meant to be the light that we're meant to cover you know love covers a multitude of sins that's what we're meant to do so we come into the Christian walk just banging around and hitting each other with expectations of each other that are unmet but really um, we've never communicated this to each other we have an expectation of the Christian community so so we as Christians need to read our Bible, need God to shed light on those kinds of things. You know, I, I know for myself when I, um, you know, I, I, my daughter had said to me even when I was, when she was four years old, she said, mom, I had been going through something. She said, mom, you know, why are you so angry? And, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not angry. And I, I, I my first thought as a, as you know, as a Caribbean person, uh, you, your child doesn't tell the mother that. I tell you what to do. If I'm angry, you're going to have to deal with it, right? Mm. Um, we know, come on, let's say the child. But, but you know, as a Christian who was in love with Christ and wanted to, to let him transform me, I took that, I let it touch my heart. And I said, Lord, is it, am I really being this way? You know what? Because I am not an angry person. So something happened and something got set up that changed that for me. So I, I, I began to let God shed light on that and let him transform me and point things out and change my direction. So, you know, as Christians, we have to open ourselves to, to God and to what he's saying to us and be willing to be changed and transformed in his presence when he does speak to us. So, yeah. Can you guys hear me? It's good to be back in church. And just to add, add on top of Candice's point, uh, sometimes we, we, we forget that as we convert into Christianity or as we, we have a change of heart and we welcome Christ into our life, we think all of a sudden there's an immediate change. Now, in some cases, that, that may be the case, but for, for the most part, it's a journey. We don't just accept Christ in our life and everything changes automatically. And as a result of that, sometimes we have expectations that if the title Christian is on somebody, that all of a sudden it comes with this package of perfect. But the truth is... We are imperfect people in need of a savior. That is the gospel. And it's the, the truth is that God works within us and continues to develop us throughout this process. And as a result of that, sometimes we think all we need to focus on as, as Christians is our relationship with God. So let me build my relationship with God, my relationship with God, my relationship with God. But we forget that that relationship with God also extends to others. Because he calls us, what, to be the light and the salt of the earth. But what, light, what good is light and light? Light has to go into darkness. So when we get into crucial conversations, when we get into relational intelligence, it's the ability to now take that light that we've received and to give it to others. Because for some, that's the only light that they'll ever experience. And one last point I was just going to say is when we talk about transformation, 
um, there's three elements of transformation that oftentimes you'll see. Number one is 10% of transformation is about learning, education. Okay, I, I want to get the textbook. What does the, what does the Bible say? What do people say? 20% is exposure. So if you want transformation in this area, how are you exposing yourself to be transformed? And then 70% is experience. So I can't just know about it. I can't just hear about it. I can't just be around it, but I have to go through it. And some of us avoid conver crucial conversations. We avoid conflict because we just don't want to deal with it. Mm. But in order to deal with something, you have to stretch it. You know, a rubber band, sometimes we say God won't give us too much we can bear. And, and that's true. But in a sense, he gives you just a little bit more because that rubber band gets a little bit longer when it's stretched more. And so as a result of that, we have to go through the experience. We can't sweep it under the carpet. We can't avoid it and say, hey, it'll just go away. But we have to develop that 70%, which is experience. Yeah. So, so really, the Bible really is a lot about heart issues, isn't it? When, when you become born again. So when, I just want to say this, Pastor Mullen. I don't want you to jump in. You know, when, when we are first born again, really, as much as we say we're saved, right? Because people said, well, I said that prayer, and I'm saved, and I stop. But really, here's what the Bible teaches. You're converted. When you are converted, you become born again. But then Paul says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. And when it comes to this area of relational intelligence, it is really a lifelong journey. Like in the office, you had said to me, it's more of an art than a science. And, and my friends, here's the truth. If we're going to grow, you really got to ask yourself, what stage am I at? And you might be 60 years old and be really an infant. Or you might be in your 20s, but really be ahead of your time, if you will, and ahead of your age, because you, you actually are more mature in relational intelligence. So it's something that you're working out no matter what level you're at in life. And, and I have found anyway, you know, that e even, with, even with leaders, it is something that continuously has to be worked on. But Pastor Mo, as you jump in, why don't people want to deal with their stuff? Why, why don't people want to take accountability when it comes to these heart issues? Why, why is it easier uh, to blame somebody else? You know, like even in the garden, eventually even God got blamed, right? Adam said, well, you know, I was fine until that woman showed up, right? I mean, everybody's always pointing the finger somewhere else because we don't like accountability. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think and it ties into your first question, and um, this, this might sound weird because, you know, we're, we're Christians, and, but, but I think this is, this is accurate. Um, I think sometimes as, as followers of Jesus, we talk to God too much. I'm going to pause because you're going to look confused for a moment. But, but the reality is, how many know that God doesn't just exist to be talked to? Mm. Like, like God speaks. That's why we have scripture, right? And so I think, I think as followers of Jesus... Sometimes we just end up do all the talking and we don't actually listen to God and let him take inventory of our hearts, let him take inventory of our minds, let him get to a point. So we, we don't listen enough, long enough to let God say we're wrong. Mm. And so, so we talk, we talk, we talk, we, we, we get our issues out and then we walk away and we don't ever give God an opportunity to say, hey, listen, your attitude's not correct or the way you see it is not correct or you're looking through a filter. And so I think as, as followers of Jesus, we need, we need to make room to talk to God. But we also need to make room to listen. God, God speaks. And so I think when it comes to not having to deal with people's issues, um, 
that's, 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 I think, the part of the problem. And the other one is, is, is people just don't recognize their own tendencies. Or, or either they do and they're okay with them, right? So we call that self-awareness. Right, self-awareness. So, so it's one thing to recognize your issues, but it's a whole other thing to say, okay, now I need to deal with them. Because there's a whole lot of people, when it comes to relational intelligence, that will say the phrase, well, this is who I am. That means, oh, I'm aware of my tendencies, I'm aware of my issues, but I'm not willing to deal with it. Right. And so now you have to suffer because I'm unwilling to adapt. I'm unwilling to change. And so, and so that has to do with becoming aware. That has to do with actually giving room and space to God to speak and say, oh, yeah, I, I was wrong. I, I need to correct myself. And so I, I, just, just to start that off, I think those are some things. So, so let's, let's jump a little bit into crucial conversations. And I, you know, I, I, I did come up with this term, and, and, and that is that when we go to God and we talk to God, we weaponize our prayers, right? Like if I have an issue with you, I'm going to God to complain. I'm going to God to build a case, right? Here's all the issues that are wrong with Pastor Moses. And when I go to confront him, and, and by the way, God, you need to talk to him because he's got problems, right? We, we pray this way. We talk this way. And then here's what I have found, though. When I go to God that way, God begins to deal with me. God says, well, let's talk about you. And I'm like, well, I'm not here to talk about me. I'm, I'm here to talk about, come on, is it just me or, you know? And so, so team, God puts this onus in the Bible about living in peace and unity and how God absolutely hates, you know, um, when I say fighting in the sense of constant adversity and constant battle and constant chaos and where there's contention there's every evil work and so it's not that God doesn't want us to have crucial conversations and work things out but if our lives and our homes and our relationships are perpetual places of war something is wrong God's saying that's not my spirit that's not the way that I uh, you know I, I I want you to live but why is it do you think why does God put the onus on us you know, why does God say, you know, take the, the speck out of your eye first? Or if you know that your brother or your sister have ought against you, you go to them. Why, why is the onus always on the person with higher self-awareness even of their tendency instead of why doesn't God operate in a right and wrong? Why doesn't God just say, here's who's right, here's who's wrong, and I'm going to judge between you? Why is he so concerned about this subject? That's a good question. Um, yeah. <laughs> a couple of thoughts that just come to my mind is, is one, I think God is more concerned about the journey than he is the destination. And sometimes we are more concerned about the destination than we are the journey. And so God is saying, when you come to, to, come to Christ, yeah, yeah, the destination for the most part is taken care of. Yeah, of course, there's some steps that you have to take. But that's not where it ends. And as a result of that, we have to take inventory of ourselves. And I think it's, it's difficult because we have to deal with our issues. And so much of us in the church, we want to put on this persona like we're perfect. Like everything is good. And then we go home or on the way to church on a Sunday morning. I'm sure it's happened to somebody. We've had an argument. And we come to church and we have to put on this look. But what God says, I want you guys to be vulnerable. Vulnerable before me and before each other because iron will sharpen iron. And so I think it's difficult for us because we still rely on the old culture. And the old culture is the world. And like I said, there's a transition. And when you come into the new culture, that's the kingdom culture. 
And in the kingdom culture, there's a new mind. There's a new way of speaking. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new fruit, the fruit of the spirit. And that is the requirement that we operate out of. But it's difficult because we don't want to deal with our skeletons. Mm. And so we rather avoid it and point it to other people. And, and where the world is different, because the world does have relational intelligence. You can go into an organization, and this is actual subjects that they teach on. That's and they right. Give, but what's the difference? What's the difference between the world and the Christian? I'll tell you, the difference is the tool set that we have, which is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And as the world deals with relational intelligence, they're dealing with wisdom. But when we as Christians, led by the Spirit of God, deal with relational intelligence, we're dealing with wisdom and revelation. See, we don't just have wisdom on how do we delete. We, we also have revelation from God on how to move this forward and how do we impact each other and what do I need to learn in this process. The world can be quite, quite gruesome in their relational intelligence because it's this is what I say and that's it. But in God's world, in his economy, it's the other way around. Those who have the most, he expects the most of. Right. So as you humble yourself, even in mm. a crucial conversation, God will then exalt you. Yeah. That's so, really so right, can we, can we, come on, give him a hand for that, will you? Come on. Um, here's also the way the world is different, right? Ranjeev, because the world, the world is, they love to cover things up. So if you sound right and you sound acceptable, it's okay. But God says, I don't want you to just sound right because, you know, your words could be right, but your heart could be wrong. So earlier when, when Candace said, you know, being Caribbean, Oh, my God. If we were on the CBC here, you know, she's a racist, even though she's Caribbean, because, because why? We can't, we can't segregate people like that. And yet, in reality, in the New Testament, I mean, Paul called Cretans brutes and liars. I, I mean, God is not afraid to deal with issues even beyond our, our backgrounds, our heritage. And even, Candace, the way that we deal with our children, right? That some of us grew up in cultures where, you know, you can't talk to me. And so we, 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 we dominate top down. I don't know if you want to speak to that. And, and I think you need to go back to that because that's incredible self-awareness that I don't know how old Mackenzie was, four years older. She was four. I mean, I mean, God can speak to us through four-year-olds, right? Yeah, so we have to be open to how God is going to speak to us. And sometimes we think it's going to be, uh, and, and if we aren't prepared to hear from a, a four-year-old, you think you're going to be able to hear from a leader. Like sometimes you think you'll take it better that way. But if your heart is open to God, you know, and and I could have I could have really said, I could have been a bitter person and I was not an angry person to begin with. But something had happened and God was putting a check in my spirit. Now, here's the great thing about about that and, and so when when that came along and she said that to me my heart was open to hear but you know God will send people and he will send checks and we can choose to remain that way and, and just keep going on and on with with our mindsets and I could have been a bitter person to this day had not I listened to that check and you know even with crucial crucial conversations pastor um you know I remember a time when you had asked me to, to when you say the onus is on you, right? You would ask me to apologize for something that I did not do, right? I remember that and uh, with, with somebody else and, and, and I said, but I'm like, what? I'm gonna give you like, you know, you know my background is law, right? So I'm gonna give you 50 reasons why I should not apologize to this person because you know, they, they were in the wrong. I didn't even know what I did wrong. And you know, I don't want to know because they're wrong. But now, but the, the person was, let's say, angry at me. So pastor's like, no. He didn't even give me an explanation about being a bigger person. He just said to me, I want you to apologize. 
So I went and I apologized, right? I didn't know what I was saying, but you know, to be respectful to my authority, I did that. But I will tell you something that transformed my life. Mm. You know why? Because putting the onus on me made me realize this is a brother and sister in Christ. And God just freed me of the love towards them. Like, like love the person. It's not just about who is right. It's about relationship. It's about preserving relationship. God is about reconciliation. God is about preservation. And when you let God into the situation, he's going to just turn that relationship and just make that relationship right. And after that, and, and I approach relationships differently. I realized that you don't always have to be the right one. You just have to be ready to have relationship and love others like Christ loved us and he said that we should love our neighbor. That's so, good. That's yeah. good. Pastor Mo. Um, yeah, that's that's really good. And I think even in onus, like Paul, Paul says an interesting statement in one of his letters where he goes uh, and he says something along the lines of, now that I'm a man, I don't I think like a man. Right. right? When, um, I was a child, I when I was a child, I thought like a child, but now that I'm a man, I think like a man. And I think in some ways, that's just another way to say, I've been following, too, I've, I've been following Jesus too long to live like I'm not. Wow. You know, like, like, like I know the kingdom culture enough to not live like the world culture and operate like the world does. And so I think the reason Jesus and God puts such onus on the individual is because ultimately he's called us to a higher standard. Right, and, and it's the difference between, I was talking about this on Wednesday, but it's the difference between us walking the line of good. Like, like as followers of Jesus, we're not just called to walk the line of good. We're, we're called to walk the line of the kingdom of God. We're called to walk the line of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's another standard. That's the standard that goes the extra mile. That's the standard that says, even though I don't think I'm right, I'm gonna apologize because I, I care about this this relationship, and I think uh, sometimes it stems from, and, and Candace kind of talked about this as well, where you said you get to view that person as a brother or sister, and sometimes it kind of just stems from this idea of, and by the way, I, I was talking to Randy and Candace, and they said you, you didn't make that statement up, by the way, the um, weaponized, the prayer? weaponized prayers, and so we're going to we're gonna have to look into that. I because, actually did, because <laughs> as far as I, as far as I, but, but how many Rangie of you, Candace like, are wrong. How <laughs> many of you, yeah, that's right, how many of you have been guilty of just like, bashing someone in your prayer time. Mm. You know what I mean? Don't, yeah, don't put your hands up at once because they're like, eh. But, but the reality is that kind of stems from this, this lostness of the value of the image of God. Uh, and the reality is, as, as followers of Jesus, the ones who should have so much focus on that, that every human being is made in the image of God, which means the image of God is sacred, it's holy. And so when you speak to an individual, they carry that sacredness and they carry that holiness. And so I think when we remind ourselves that, we, we remember that this person I'm speaking to is a son of God. This person I'm speaking to is a daughter of God. And, and we, we would shift the way we speak uh, if, we understood, if we understood that. So, so let's, go, let's go to a story in the New Testament. Jesus and Peter. I want to paint the picture. Remember, he's resurrected. He, he shows up at the shore. They have breakfast fish for breakfast, I'm not sure. But anyway, they, they, have, uh, they have breakfast. And, and then Peter is taken by Jesus aside. John follows, because John wants to be everywhere that Jesus is, right? And they begin to have this crucial conversation, because when we talk about standards and Holy Spirit, and you know, Rajiv, you had talked about don't be a baby. I want you to talk about that. Because really, you know, in some ways, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter about, you need to stop being a baby. 
and you need to grow up because you used to do whatever you wanted to do, but here's what the future is going to look like for you. And Peter didn't do well in this crucial conversation. I mean, he began to feel the heat of expectation. So much so that uh, Peter did something that we all do is he began to deflect. When he couldn't take the heat and the expectation, he, he then says to Jesus, well, what about him? Pointing to John. Why don't we hear some dirt on John, right? And, and Jesus kind of says, uh, hey, Peter, what business is that of yours, right? I'm talking to you. You follow me. And, and we don't even hear about John's future. But when it comes to expectations, we all have them. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about tendencies a little bit more. But, but Ranjeev, even your comment about don't be a baby, but, but this idea of we're going to grow, we're going to mature, um, and, and clearly Jesus doesn't have an issue with placing expectations on us. Should we place expectations? What if they're, I mean, there's good expectations, there's false expectations. There, I talked about unspoken expectations. I think those are unfair. T talk to us a little bit about that comment. Yeah, so the comment I made is that not every single conversation is a crucial conversation. What I mean by that is we don't have to, once we get upset about something, it doesn't mean that we need to have a crucial conversation about it. What it may mean is we need to grow up. Mm. What it may mean is we ha may have some emotional baggage. What it may mean is we have some insecurities. But if we don't examine the expectations that we have for ourselves, how can we have expectation of others? The thing is, when we become overcritical of others, it's probably oftentimes we're not even looking at ourselves. It's a funny thing. I actually said it to Josai. When you're pointing your finger to someone, you all heard it, right? There's three more pointing back at you. And, and so sometimes crucial conversations need to happen with you and God first. And as Jesus was dealing with Peter, he was dealing with an attitude problem that Peter had. This wasn't about Peter believing in the kingdom yet. Uh, this was actually a matter of you have some issues of pride in your life. Mm. And so perhaps pride is some things that, that we need to deal with before we actually have conversations. The Bible says pride becomes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Come on, come on. And so if we have pride and we have a haughty spirit going into a conversation, we're going to bring dis dis destruction. And so there's some things that we need to deal with. So what the comment was is sometimes we just act like babies because we just want to get out everything that we want to say because we were offended. You got to hear what I have to say. And we go in thinking, I got to win this. And really what we should be going in is, how can I be Christ in person versus an impersonator of him? Wow. So how do I bring Christ in this situation, even if it means, and Paul talks about this, crucifying yourself daily. Come on. What if it means even giving up the fact that I'm right? It's good. For the sake of the cross, for the sake of the relationship, because that's what he's most interested in. So expectations, I would say, is, yeah, God says I'm able to do uh, above all that you can ask or think or imagine the expectations that you have. But if we don't come with a certain amount of expectations, how can he exceed that? And I think we have to come with that for ourselves before we have any expectations on others. Candace. Well, you know, um, expectations is such a, a great word. Um, uh, we, we get into relationships with lots of expectations. Like, uh, you know, even, even uh, and we talked about communicated and uncommunicated expectations when Pastor was, was uh, talking about it in his, uh, his sermons on relational intelligence. Expectations um, set the tone for how you relate to people, you know? And when we talk about um, Jesus and, and uh, Peter, talking to Peter, right? 
Jesus is putting something out there to Peter. I just, I just follow what Jesus said to Peter. He kept saying, Peter, do this. And Peter kept saying, Peter, Peter was at a loss. He didn't know what God was saying to him. He was like just thinking about all the things of how he could not meet the expectations that God was putting out there for him. Now, this is a different angle on expectations because we, we tell people that we should, you know, we should create expectations where they understand and, and, and we know that they can be mad and all of that. But Jesus was taking Peter beyond something, beyond something. And he was trying to take P Peter to a growth area in his life. So sometimes when expectations are put on us and they're communicated to us, we say, well, I can't do that. It's because God is causing us to grow. He's causing us to step out of comfort zones. Now, I know sometimes learning curves and having to do something that's different. We, 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 we want to stay within a comfort zone, but expectations just puts that onus on, on us from other people. That's why God puts leaders into our lives. I mean, if we were to go about our whole lives not having somebody bring us up, challenge us, give us expectations, where would we be, right? So now here's the thing that I've found with expectations. I'm going to take a different a turn. Expectations of you from other people actually can bring you higher up and take you to another place in your walk, in your growth. So I would say about expectations, Pastor, and it's a little bit different, different angle. Be ready for everything and anything. You know, one thing we learn about in, in life is that they, they, it's, life is constantly changing. And, you know, even with COVID, there were different expectations put on us. And can we meet them? But here's the thing. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ comes into the situation and he brings and sets up like that you have been created for something like this. So what what even um, Jesus was, was saying to Peter, his Peter, I don't care about all these things that you've put on yourself. I have an expectation of you. Let You're going to deal with it. You're going to deal with it and you're going to fulfill every purpose and plan that God has for you That's in good. your life. So, Pastor Mo, let's talk about tendencies. Let's talk about filters. Let's talk about hot buttons and sensitivities. I know nobody here has them. But um, in case there's people in the online world that have filters, because when we hear things, uh, when we experience things, when even people's body language, sometimes we, we read right. into things that sometimes may be true, sometimes may not be true at all. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, I've been challenged that, well, pastor, you walked right past me. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't even see you, you know? And, and so, but they take that so, so hurtful. So is that, is that my issue because I walked past them or is that it, their issue that they took such an offense? You want me to give like a yes or no to that? <laughs> um, yeah, I think we we all have we all have tendencies. We all have filters, even the way we handle crucial conversations, right? And so you could have you could have an individual with certain filters, certain personality traits, and certain tendencies that that avoids having crucial conversations because they're they're too sensitive. They're they don't want to they don't want to hurt someone. They don't want to offend anyone. And when's, what ends up happening in that case in that scenario is they actually bear the weight and the responsibility of the other person's actions because they don't want to confront. And, but, on, but on the other side, you have people who are like, yeah, I love confrontation. I want to have this crucial conversation. And, and these are the people that might say the right thing, but they say it at the wrong time or in the wrong way. And what they do is they damage people, right? Now, both these cases are affected because of tendencies, right. because people don't have enough self-awareness 
to say, hey, this is the way I am, and the way I am is wrong. When's the last time you told yourself you were wrong? Mm -hmm. When's the last time you confessed that you were wrong, right? And so I, 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 think, I think we kind of get into this trap where we think, we think my personality excuses me, Oh, come on! right? And so I don't have to be like Jesus because my personality says I'm this way. When in reality, your personality is not an excuse to not be like Christ. Mm. Right, and so and so we have to we have to do that. And on a on a real practical level, Pastor, when it comes to tendencies, can I just say this? Yeah. Not everything is spiritual. Yeah. Right. Like there are some people that that don't need God; they just need good manners. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You, you know what I mean? ought to give God some praise like, for that. Yeah. Just, just keeping just it get real. Some manners. So just certain things, certain ways you talk to individuals, certain tones that you know you shouldn't. That that has to do with. Just having good manners. That has to do with maybe you taking a communications class and learning how to take what you're thinking and learning how to get it out of your mouth in a way that is either um, not hurtful, but also in a way that is effective. Because sometimes our tendencies keep us from actually getting things out. And, I, and I'll say this because you, you, you wanted me to talk about Jesus saying, hey, you, hey, you've heard it this way, but I say to you, but I say to you this. Yeah. And so I think even when Jesus, Jesus talks about that, that's, that's in the Gospel of Matthew, Wednesday night, 7.30. We're doing the Gospel of Matthew. Shameless plug, but wow. it's good. Wow. Um, Jesus is in the sermon. That's of, twice you've plugged yourself. I know, it's amazing. I'm so good. <laughs> uh, I should be in marketing. <laughs> um, Jesus, Jesus addresses this crowd and he says, hey, you've, you've heard it said this. The, the actual translation is, you've understood it this way. Meaning Jesus understands that his audience has filters, that they see things from their perspectives, their experiences, and then he doesn't just leave them at that to say, hey, this is how you see things, that's cool. No, then he says, but I say to you. Meaning he places an expectation on them to say, hey, you might have tendencies, but I'm gonna call you to, to get rid of them and I'm gonna call you to something else. Right? This is what Ranji was talking about, the difference between cultures. So, so Jesus looks at these individuals who have been so caught up in, in Jewish culture, in worldly culture, and, and he says, I understand that you have filters, but I'm gonna call you to a, a culture of the kingdom. And guess what? My expectation is that you actually walk that line. Yeah. But, but Candice Ranjeev, so let, let's pick up on what Pastor Moses said, um, because it's very interesting. You talk about personality. The, the, the famous teaching today is you be you. You do you. You know, you're, you're you, and God loves you just the way, just the way you are. And, and there's truth to that. God saves us the way we are, but there is an expectation you're not going to remain the way you are. I mean, if you've been in this 20 years or 20 days, and you're still where you are, then you're not growing. And so, you know, please be careful that this idea that, well, you be you, and you do you is somehow kingdom and biblical because it's not. I want, you, I want the two of you to speak to that. Yeah, so how can I do me if I'm dead? <laughs> Come on. And that's what scripture requires of us, to kill ourselves. And so, so please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't carry a heritage like I, like I talked about before. Heritage is, is something to celebrate. That's something to, to recognize. But culture has to become about kingdom. And so if I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives within me. Not to say that we, we remove our emotions, we remove our intellect, but what I'm saying is our goal is to become the image of Christ here on earth to lead others to him. So I think what happens is we forget our purpose. 
Our purpose is to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, really to become him. And so, so we get caught up in the world system because the world system doesn't want to be like Christ. The world system says, just like, like the enemy said to, to Adam, is like, do your thing, man. He's, he's lying to you. Mm. He, he doesn't want you to know good and evil. Ooh. And so they tell you a little bit of truth because he was keeping you from it, but, but there was a purpose to it, right? So I think the issue is, again, that, that we, we want to, ourselves to live and Christ is saying, you need to die. <laughs> so which one is it? Yeah. Are you going to be sold out for Christ or are you not? Yes, sir. And he says, if you're lukewarm, by the way, I'm going to spit you out. Yeah. yeah. So on Sunday, I can't be like, yeah, our God, he's champion. But on Monday to Friday, he's not champion. He's actually our slave. Mm. Mm. And so I think this is the issue that, that we get into, Pastor. And, and you know, uh, there's so much more I could talk about. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll but, so, it so Angie, though, but here's the truth, right? That if we're going to die then we're going to be offended. Mm -hmm. People are going to walk on us. Mm -hmm. People are going to say things about us that aren't true. And, and, you know, I'd love to say that in this life, everything gets justified and, you know, bad people always get what's coming to them. And, but the reality is Jesus lived perfectly and he was crucified. And so, so my friends, when we're talking about relational intelligence, if you're going to live godly, mm -hmm. you're going to suffer. And I can't sugarcoat it for you, but, but there's a greater reward. There's a greater reward than what we just experienced here on this earth. I, I don't know if you want to add any more to that, Candace. Yeah, just, just uh, something I wanted to add. You know, we, when we talk about cultures and all of that, we set up, you know, like because of what, what we live through and what experiences we have, we set up patterns of thinking in our mind. And the, the, the Bible says, cast down imaginations and those things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, against the knowledge of God. You know, you, something's been done to you, so now you start to filter something through this. And now you start to filter something through this. Like, when you think about the story of Joseph, you know, um, you know in the beginning, you know, Joseph, um, he, he was with his, like his father said, actually, you know, it says in the Bible, so the brothers must have known this, that you know, Jacob loved his, his son, jo Joseph, more than the others, right? So they must have known this. So now Jacob is, um, Joseph is with his brothers in the field, and he brings back a bad report about them. Well, they're building. They know that, you know, their father loved. So they're saying, okay, you know what? He, he you know, he loved, he's loved more than us. We're thinking this about him. So then he, they go back, and he tells a, brings a bad report about them. And then he starts to tell them, hey, bros, you know, what's happening is that I had these dreams, and you guys are bowing down to me mm. in these dreams. And so now they're like, oh, well, now he thinks he's better than us you know first our dad thought he was better than us now he thinks he's better than us now here's what's starting to happen things patterns of thinkings are being set up in their mind and it's going into their soul so now they start to even view themselves I believe like that so now here's what it ends up with when they go to throw uh, Joseph in the pit it says their hearts will filled with hatred yeah. towards him now yeah. we have to guard against that when we talk about filters because we start to perceive people in the way that others have perceived us and we start to view them and what starts to happen even with rejection I've seen like rejection wow. a lot with people is that you've been rejected and now you start to view yourself as being rejected by others which in fact causes you to reject others and it's a whole pattern that builds up in your soul you know and I and I heard this and I, I don't want to quote it wrong so I just want to want to bring it up for a quick second because um, you know it's not my quote but I heard it and it says this heal so you can hear what's being said without the filter of your wound yeah. heal so you can hear what's being said without the filter of your wound 
we, we talked about this already. When God brings people into your life, it's for your growth. If you're not healing and you're not recognizing, if you're not letting God come in and transform your life, you're always going to be viewing through that. So when you were meant to be here, you're still here in your growth and your walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why we're not where we're supposed to be. Well, God is saying, look, I'm bringing people in to, to give you healing and, and, and to make you grow. And if you're going to filter that, through all of these things that you've gone through, you'll never be who I've called you to be. Set that aside. It's kingdom culture. And I just want to say a quick thing, Pastor. I remember when you um, had called me into your office to be operations manager and you had, and you know, and you could have said, you know, I had so many filters. She's a girl. You know, this requires you to, to have like, you know, conflict and all that. And I'm not that type. I'm like, you know, I want everybody to like me. I, I love you. You love me. I'm a real people person, right? And Pastor could have looked through all those filters. But you know what he said to me? He said, you're going to grow a spine and you're going to take this job. Well, I could have been like, how dare he? And he could have been like, oh, should I say this? But you know, this is the kind of relationship we have. He said it to me. I heard it. I heard it with the spirit of what he was saying. Go bust through all the filters of what I thought of myself. And here I am. You know, I accepted a job and, and, and God has just grown me in that. So get rid of your filters. Like let God come and let him heal that and grow and be every single thing that God has called you to be. You wow. So. Michael, come on up. But, you know, we're just going to land the plane with a little bit of, has this been good today or come on, you know. Um, just this morning, you know, even, even in ministry and the prophetic, uh, Jonathan, he's somewhere in this room, Jonathan and Leah, they did a video one of our testimony videos, and he made a statement in the video that he said, you know, a pastor had said something really hard to us, and, you know, we had to accept it, and, you know, in order for us to grow. And, and this morning, you know, after not seeing him for a while, I, I said to him, Jonathan, what are you talking about? What did you say in that video? What, what did I, you know, what did I say to us? Listen to this. He says it was our very first time here at the church. It was about the January time frame when you pray for the families. He said, we weren't part of your church. You didn't even know our names. He said, but we had come and you agreed to pray for us. And you had, he said, you had prayed a little, you know, probably the, okay, I don't know you. So I'm going to pray the safe prayer. You know, God bless them. And, you know, he says, and then you walked away. He said, but as you were walking away, you came back. He said, and you said something to us that we knew wasn't part of the safety prayer and then I knew wow that was by the spirit of the Lord you know sometimes you will say things in the spirit of the Lord that you don't say in your logical mind because your logical mind says well you know I don't know these people I don't know how they're going to take it but God has a way to speak to us but to their credit they picked it up Candace as you're saying that hey this isn't just He's not being mean to us. He doesn't know us. This is God speaking to us. He said, we were going to look for all these different churches. He said, but that day we knew. That day we knew, and we've grown ever, ever since. And so even, even in ministry, even in the prophetic, it's not enough just to have the word of the Lord. This is why the Bible says speaking the truth in love, in compassion, in mercy. I know that the Bible, Pastor Moses, can sometimes, you know, even that conversation like Jesus could come across very harsh woman or the woman at the well. You almost kind of look like, how is he talking to these people? But you have to understand that the Bible doesn't always communicate tonality, right? And so it could come across like he's heartless, but in reality, he's full of compassion 
and mercy, and the fruit of it is there. Uh, Ranjeev, let's talk about secret sauce. Uh, you mentioned a word, because I, 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 and maybe we'll have a quick one minute, and then I'm going to call the worship team. Your secret sauce to relational intelligence, and you said the word? Food. Food, food. Food is a secret sauce for me. And you're going to be like, what in the world? Yeah, we could tell you eat a lot of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what in the world does food have to do with relational intelligence? And I'll tell you through my experience, whether it be at work, whether it be through conflict resolution, whether it be with my wife or anything else, bring food into the equation. If you have an issue with someone, take them out for lunch. If you want to get to know someone, relational intelligence is based on building relationships. The best way to build relationships is around a table. Good. It breaks down barriers. It allows people to, to say, hey, someone is given. That's, that's what Christ, that's what Jesus was, right? He was a giver. The Father says, I so love the world that I gave. It's good. And so let's reflect that. If you want to build relationships, you want to work through conflict, give. It's good. Give. Candice. Give food. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say honor and respect. That's the secret sauce. Just anybody from a child to the eldest person, honor and respect. Come into it, but view them as God as God views them. Pastor Mo. Um, for me, it would be the scripture out of James where James says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think when we're slow to speak, we give the Holy Spirit a head start mm. to, go, to go before us uh, rather than just speaking and letting the flesh have the head start. Yeah. So four things, worship team, get ready. Four things that must govern our relationships from a biblical perspective. Number one, we need to walk in agape love. My friends, God even tells you to love your enemies. I mean, those are the people that you would say, I don't even like those people, Pastor. We walk in agape love, which is a love beyond ourselves. Number two, we must walk in the spirit of forgiveness. You have to be ready to put people's faults away from you. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a, a principle in the Old Testament. Uh, the Bible says that Abraham buried Sarah away from his sight. There are some things you need to put away from your sight so that you're not constantly rehearsing them and and, and you know, Candace, I go back. The Bible says when they saw his brother afar off, they hated him. Hey, eh? Come on, church. Come on. When you see a text message, eh? You see somebody's name on social media. I mean, they're afar off. And you're like, eh? This happens in weddings. Oh, you know, we can't sit so-and-so beside so-and-so because they haven't been talking for 15 years. But every Sunday, they're like, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Number three, live in peace. The Bible says, as much as is your responsibility, live in peace, walk in peace, live in unity. That's how you'll know the Spirit of God. And then finally, the golden rule, do unto others. Say unto others, be like unto others, as you would have them to be unto you. My friends, this is hard. This is this is hard because it's a hard issue. But Pastor Mo, Randy, Candice, this is why I believe we are in the world. This is why I believe we are in the world to show the kingdom culture to a lost world and a lost 
generation. We have an incredible part to play, amen. Will you bless these people? Did they not do an incredible job today?